Welcome, everyone, to episode 15 of the Thumbstick Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. Will. Corey. No Eric this week. Eric uh, finally closed on his house today after many long months of waiting. So uh, he's either celebrating or already starting to move stuff in. So uh, gave him the, gave him the week off and, and congrats to him on the new on the new new pad. It's exciting. Uh, our episode today is going to be on the long saga of unsung story. Uh, full disclosure, Corey. Both Corey and Will backed unsung story. It's unsung story, right? Yes. Okay. I keep wanting to say, I keep thinking I'm saying unsung, unsung saga, but unsung story. I want to say unsung saga because of romancing saga for some reason. But yeah, you guys backed it, right? Yes. We better, you better believe I did. <laughs> uh, it be supposedly being the spiritual successor to one of our favorite games of all time, Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, made by the same creator. Um, it was passed along, I guess, for lack of a better word, from one developer to another. Um, the original developer now having nothing to do with it. Uh, but we'll get into all that. That's We're going to be talking about that for this week's episode. Does anyone have any, anything they want to tease for later on? I, I do. Let's hear it. Uh, I played about five hours of Nier Automata. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, you know how... I was being urged to play Horizon, and I said, or I was told I wouldn't like Nier. So immediately that was the first game I wanted to play. (laughs) Sure. So I played played Nier. Nice. Corey? Nothing new for me. Nope. Uh, I played something new. It's not a new game, but new for me is I played a little Overcooked on the Switch that came out last Thursday, I believe. Me and the wife played a little bit of that, so I'll talk briefly about it. Uh, And then obviously more Splatoon 2. I played quite a bit of that this week. So, yeah, without further ado, let's get into the story of Unsung Story Saga. Now, don't confuse me because <laughs> <laughs> I will I will at some point say Unsung Saga. Guarantee it. Uh, but anyway, the I mean, the, as I said before, the reason why you guys backed it specifically was because it was supposed to be a spiritual successor to Final Fantasy Tactics. It was also uh under the same creator uh under new studio um so yeah let's let's start there what uh i mean is that the only game you guys have either of you guys have back uh backed in kickstarter yeah it's my only game that i've backed i backed another game that i forget the name of and it was a long time ago probably around the same time this was announced a role-playing game that teaches you japanese and there have since been a handful of games that have come out that are doing exactly that uh-huh. um but this one i uh what i can't forget the, i keep forgetting the name of it. i i do get regular updates from okay so they're still working on it but that's good yeah it, yeah that's the only reason why i even backed it was the final fantasy tactic spiritual successor successor tag on it yep same creator yeah started yeah so studio i guess it's it's well no it's uh yasumi matu matuno yeah. is he was the writer director for final fantasy tactics um, he also worked on Tactics Ogre, Vagrant Story, and produced Final Fantasy Tactics Advance for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, and the game, Unsung Story, was conceptualized and announced by him back in 2013. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it was attached to Play Deck, which is the uh, board game studio. I don't, I don't even know that they've made 
they had made video games prior to that. Uh, board game studio that launched the Kickstarter in 2014. So when it was when the game was originally announced in 2013, they said it would come out by the end of 2014. It's now 2017, uh, but there's a lot that happened in between. Yes, so like I said, the, the Kickstarter started in 2014. Their goal was $600,000 to make this game. Um, and they raised only, or yeah, just over 600 k They raised $660,000. And I actually read Jason Trier wrote a timeline of the unsung story story. Um, and in his article, he pointed out the fact that one of the articles he regrets writing most was when this game was two days from the end of its Kickstarter, and he asked Kotaku readers to back it. He yeah. published an article asking Kotaku readers to back it, which is the point. I don't know if I had heard of it in his earlier article or if that was the point when I decided to back it, but it was definitely from his articles uh, about it that I yeah. decided to back it. I want to say, Corey, that that was the exact same reason why I backed it, too, because I'm almost 100% sure you and I backed it like the same time. Yeah. So I want to say that same article is the reason that I backed it as well. I mean, it very well could be. If I had known about it, it probably would have been one of those things that um, I would have backed. But the only way I knew about it was from his articles. And like Dan said, it was meant to be the spiritual successor to Final Fantasy Tactics, another tactical RPG in a medieval setting by the same director of uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Actually, he was also supposed to direct or co-direct Final Fantasy XII, but I guess he kind of had a temper tantrum or something when a bunch of the employees left Square to go work for Mistwalker, Uh which was Sakaguchi's studio that he opened when he left. I think they've just made, like, mobile RPGs. Um, So I guess he was upset about that, and then he ended up not showing up to work for, like, a month, and then he took a leave of absence because of an illness, and then he just kind of stepped down um, and then did freelance for a while and then did some work for Level 5. Uh, he most recently did a raid for Final Fantasy XIV. Okay. So he's kind of back in the ecosystem there. Uh, but yeah, it all sounded really promising, and, and everyone was really excited about it. But uh, Schreier also has similar game tastes than us. He's in the Final Fantasy VI is the best game ever made camp. So Yeah. Uh, it was it was easy to take his word for it, you know. I guess the, that you know it's something you'd want, you'd be interested in as a as a fan of that, you know, that type of game. Right. And he's he's one of the only like writers that I will read his stuff on Kotaku at this point too. Yeah. So he uh, put together this timeline and actually bulleted out some stuff based on his timeline. You can actually go read it um, on Kotaku. I think it was published Mon or Tuesday. Yeah, it was a couple days ago. I, I read it when it came out. So as of February 12th, 2014, that's when he published the article encouraging his readers to go and back the project. Uh, as I said, he, that's, he said that's one of the articles he regrets writing most. So that's pretty telling right there. Uh, and then between March and July of 2014, the backer updates started talking more and more about the digital card game that was originally mentioned. Uh, it was supposed to be two games, a digital card game set in the Unsung Story universe and this tactical RPG everyone wanted. But the, ba- the, the backer updates became more and more focused on the digital card game, which people had zero interest in. Everybody wanted that spiritual successor. Um, after that, the backer updates were more and more sparse. 
even though they had promised they would be weekly and then they changed their tune from weekly to monthly and then they weren't even getting monthly updates. Uh, and then between November of 2014 and February 2015, radio silence. We had heard nothing. And I remember this because yeah. it was a game I was kind of following. We, because... we, we covered it a little bit because you guys had kickstarted it. I remember the various points where they would you know, finally break radio silence or have a new update that, that everyone was like, oh, man. Something from uh, something about Unsung Story. And it was almost never received well, uh, yeah. all the updates they sent out. So in February 20th of 2015, they posted some really, really rough looking screenshots. Um, everybody's like, oh, boy, this is this is <laughs> not going to be good. And then in May of that month, they promised to deliver a development timeline over the summer, which just never happened. Uh, September, the Playdex CEO, this is still September 2015, said progress has been slow. Uh, that the game release would be pushed to 2016. He also went to great length to discuss a player versus player, uh, player versus player beta release for June of 2016, which again nobody wanted. They wanted that single player tactical RPG, uh, and the, all the backer updates just were more and more focused on this thing that nobody wanted anymore. Um, and in that update he also mentioned that they the studio was undergoing some financial struggles and that they were looking for outside publishers people would ask for updates uh they didn't get any and when they did the assets were always not great at all i think there was actually some in-game or video footage from the game at some point that was just terrible yeah actually Um, just watch that before right before we started yeah so then there was more months of radio silence and then february 2016 they announced that they would pause development and focus on other projects uh backers wanted to know if they would get a refund no answer on that later that month they posted something along the lines of they've been able to secure more funding uh, and that development is back on and then from then on it was just lots of empty promises about updates and then not getting any updates and then more promises that we're going to be better about getting you updates and then no updates uh rinse and repeat pretty much for that entire year uh up to the present as of Tuesday Playdeck announced it would fully step away from the project uh and the assets were it was there was a purchase made uh, by yeah. Little Orbit, a studio that has previously made licensed games. They made like an, a Barbie game, and they made the Adventure Time uh, game. So they said that they are starting from scratch with everything except, or scrapping everything except Matsuno's original designs. So that probably tells <laughs> you a lot right there that there was yep. nothing they could salvage. He did say, um, I forget the guy's name, Matthew Scott is his name, and I only remember that because it made me think of Michael Scott. Uh-huh. But uh, the the head of Little Orbit said that there was an insignificant purchase. So whatever it was, there wasn't a lot of money. Uh, and they, I guess they agreed with Playdeck that it would be best if Playdeck just removed itself entirely. Um, they said they're going to restore the original vision of the game. It will be a single-player tactical RPG. Um, and the backer, all the backers will still get their rewards. So everything you signed up, that's what what they're saying now. Who knows what will happen with that. Um, But it's unclear what happened to the $660,000 that the backers pledged uh, that went to Playdeck. So the money just kind of was spent on uh, hooker crews with the Minnesota Vikings or something. Yeah. 
But I just want to quickly quickly read Little Orbit's post uh, the day this all went down. First, the bad news. Little Orbit is starting from... This isn't the whole post. This is just where they get into the details of what's happening. First, the bad news. Little Orbit is starting from scratch. We have spent hours going through the Kickstarter comments and researching all of the project materials, and I feel the backers have made one thing clear. We need to focus on the original single-player game and Matsuno's design that was promoted during the campaign, and that is exactly what we are going to do. At this point, our primary goal is to separate the years of modifications and changes that were made while Playdeck attempted to deliver something to their backers. Second... The good news. Actually, it's funny they phrase that first part as the bad news because that sounds like good news to me. Yeah, sure. Um, but second, the good news, and I want to make this absolutely clear, Little Orbit will honor the Kickstarter backer rewards at no extra cost. I, can, I can't know how frustrating this has been for the many fans of this game, but over the coming weeks, we'll be reaching out to make sure we have all the current information for each of you so that rewards can be delivered properly as we make progress. Wow. That's pretty awesome, though, that if they are able to do that because... Uh, Jason Schreier mentioned in his article that they got none of the money from from any of the Kickstarters. So right. to to honor their the the rewards for the for the Kickstarters, that's that's pretty awesome. They, yeah, they're and, able to do it. And I like um, it wasn't in this snippet I pulled out, but he said something along the lines of uh, in reviewing like Matsuno's design documents. I just decided that this game had to be made. So yeah, that makes me feel good about it, too. Yeah. Um, and. I should say, like, I don't care that the game never came out. I, I mean, I shouldn't say that because I want to play this game, but I don't really care that it might not have. Like, I'm not upset that my $20 or whatever I spent might be gone. Like, I, yeah. I feel like people that back these things on Kickstarter need to know that yeah. in, in the back of their heads, you know? It, it's They're a gamble. Not investing in anything. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like I was initially kind of annoyed with it, but like after what twenty fourteen is when we backed it, Corey. Yeah. So like after twenty sixteen, I kind of just completely forgot this was even a thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm hurting so bad that I need that twenty dollars back, you know. So I don't, I don't really care either. No. So, so what do we think happened here? Because yeah, I think they I mean, just you, bit off more than they could chew. Uh, that seems to be a common Kickstarter thing, though, you know, uh, games that get, you know, games like that, that get like feature creep, it's called uh, on Kickstarter because of they meet requirements for for uh, extra in-game, you know, rewards and stuff. Um, I also was surprised when you said, Corey, and I, I hadn't read this before, that Playdeck was not a game develop, uh, video game developer. So, yeah, let me let me correct myself on that. Um, okay. What I meant was they've only they only develop board games and card games for video games digital platforms okay yeah. i see so so yeah i mean that was obviously something that's significantly more complex than uh, a digitalized version of a of a board or card game you know right i don't know if they tried to make the game fit within their existing engine that they had developed or that they were using or, or what and and you know ran into significant problems i never realized that was a, as big of an issue until i read up on the mass effect andromeda and how frostbite wasn't good for rpgs you know mm-hmm. it's interesting stuff but yeah it is and um I don't know. I'm just, again, like, I, I just want to play this game. That's the only reason I'm upset. I'm just upset because I haven't been able to play it yet. Not because my money is gone, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be interesting because it seems like Little Orbit... It, I mean, this is just their very first press release, but it seems like they're going to get everything under control. So I'm going to be interested to see where it goes from here. Yeah. I think... um. 
I think what's going to happen is the game will come out. It won't be great, but maybe it'll be like a banner saga kind of thing where it's uh, a platform for a, a stepping stone to something greater. What's another what's a better example of something like that? Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of them, but like where the first one was more proof of concept and then the second one was. I don't know. We don't really even need proof of concept. I just hope it's not lazy, you know, because it would yeah. be really easy to do like a rock, paper, scissors combat system. I don't know. That stuff is generally just pretty lazily done. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was watching, and I feel like I, I was watching the video of the, the, the gameplay, and, and it looked terrible. But I feel like it didn't even need to be, like, that complex, you know? Like, yeah. the, the, the kind of 3D-ish. And I know the original Final Fantasy Tactics was kind of 3d but you know it was sprite based i feel like even if you did something like that but like hand-drawn graphics it would be really nice not at all what they were what they were going for right so yeah i mean what do we go ahead do do we think this is the game because obviously i think the the i mean kickstarter still works in in certain cases but for a while there there was anyone with an idea was putting it on kickstarter and seeing what what they could raise and i feel like that was kind of the middle of the kickstarter bubble and that's since burp burst yeah burp burst and uh kickstarter is not as big of a as big of a thing anymore at least in video game development yeah, no, I can't honestly remember the last game that I saw that they were like, oh, back it on Kickstarter. Yeah. And I also think people are way more wary of that now. Instead of seeing this like, oh, this sounds like a great concept for a game, and then backing it with, you know, not having done any research on the developer or anything like that. Yeah. Even if it, like, was an actual developer or not just a group of friends that say, Hey, I want to make this game. And once you get into the nitty gritty of it and realize how complex it yeah. is, you know, that just kind of using the, the rest of the funds on, on hookers and booze. <laughs> Cause e- even a game like uh, pillars of eternity uh, developed by obsidian, that was, that was kickstarted. Yeah. Uh, and as solid as a, of an investment as, as that would have been like for me, I didn't end up even in doing that one and just waiting for the game to come out before I bought it just because you just never know, you know, and doesn't didn't double fine kickstart a lot of their games too. Yeah. Yeah, they have. Um, so that, I mean, I that's, that's another one broke broken age. That, that That's a little bit different though. And I think that works better. I just think yeah. like part of the issue is with, with these really small s- studios and I know double fine is small, but they also have a lot of experience delivering games and yeah. aren't probably not nearly as small as play deck. Um, they get that big influx of money and they do their initial like, okay, my salary is going to be this, my sal- your salary is going to be this, this, and this, we have this much money. And then they start realizing the, all the other costs that they probably didn't consider and then before you know it they're running out of money not everybody can get paid people start leaving and all of a sudden you just have nothing you know yeah i just think that money up front for a small studio like that just doesn't work yeah unless you have someone that's like a a a business veteran not even a game design veteran but someone who knows the business side of, of playing games or uh, making games, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, look at um, the most successful indie games that were uh, like true indie games with one, maybe two or three people working on them. Like those people weren't collecting a salary while they were making those games. Yeah. Stardew Valley. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That Maybe wasn't kickstarted, was but because he was working with um, what you call it, Chucklefish. Chucklefish. But I don't know. I just, I just, I think that upfront money is just a major problem, unless, unless, like you said, Dan, there's a professional, a professional behind the wheel that could take that money and be very be trustworthy with it. with it. Yeah. Yeah. What which, about a game like uh, FTL, which was one of the was it the first successful Kickstarter video game that came out and ended up being a, like an amazing game? One of them. I don't really. It was, it was one of the first know. ones. I wonder how that differs. I don't know anything about the FTL developer, um, but I got the impression like that 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 was their their first game. I should have looked that up, but I didn't. didn't Subset Games is the developer of FTL. Two man team. Okay, so what was what would the Kickstarter fetch? It was probably millions. Uh, I don't think so. Couldn't have been. Seeking a total funding goal of ten thousand dollars. Oh wow! They raised over two hundred thousand. Significantly more than they wanted. Yeah, but that's the you know type of situation where they got a bunch of money up front. But it, I this it was also probably less complex to make an FTL than it would have been the Unsung Story. You know, I, I wonder too at what point they were in the development of FTL. You know, because a lot of times, um, yeah, the prototype is there. It's just a matter of getting the securing the funds to distribute it. You know, put some finishing touches on it, yep. get some contract work done. Um, that makes sense to me too, rather than just like, hey, we have this great concept, have an, have an idea, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's messy, and and I've backed so few games in maybe two that I can remember. Maybe there's more that I just forgot about. And so did the person developing them, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's just a risk. It's a risky take. Yeah. And Kickstarter will tell you that they're like, we don't, we don't do re- refunds. You know, this is, I'm sure they have in some rare cases, but I think generally it's, it's just the way it works. Yeah. I've been tempted to, to support a couple Kickstarters, but no, just never, never did. Not, I'm not much of a risk taker, though. May come as a surprise. Yeah. Sometimes it's better that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I did do a a Kickstarter for Eddie Garcia and Doug Stolhan to go to the draft in Buffalo that year. It was or not Buffalo, whatever year that was. Maybe it was Philly. Buffalo. Philly or Philly? Florida. Could have been Philly. Yeah, I pledged seventy five dollars and I got a pair of sweatpants, a Grandma Fiddler T shirt. And a nice. high compliment. And a lanyard. Yeah, and a call out on their podcast. <laughs> but that's when I had the money to do that kind of stuff. Sure. Denise said that's a handsome man or something like that. Or that's yeah, a good that, that guy. Is a, that is a handsome fella right there or something like that. <laughs> was wearing all their swag. Uh, nice. And I, I'm pretty sure I was lit that night. <laughs> that, of course. The picture was taken that I sent to them. <laughs> Nice. Okay. Any other thoughts? Unsung story? No, I'll be definitely interested to see where it goes from here, if it goes anywhere for that matter. Yeah, but I do it. I think it is really cool that that developer is honoring all of the the promises that were promised in the first place. Yeah, so you guys will get the game if they finish it. Which is super cool. That's awesome. pretty cool. Okay. Shall we get on to Nibble Bits? Yeah. yeah. All right. I think I'll go first with Nibble Bits. Just minimize my screen here. 
Let's hear them, Dan. Okay. Uh, the first one is you could play the first five hours of Ghost Recon Wildlands for free. I was interested in this. I've been wanting to just just try the game. I never had any interest in buying it, but it's only on Xbox One and PS4. Apparently, the trial is up now on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. So maybe at some point they'll have one come to PC. Uh, I hope so, because, you know, I'd like to try it. Seemed somewhat interesting. And then my only other nibble bit is that the Taco Bell's teamed up with Microsoft to give away Xbox One X's. Um, I guess you have to get I've done this before a few times with a few different of their different video game giveaways. But this one, you get a five dollar state quesarito box. Ooh, yeah, which I'll be getting a few of, no doubt, uh, in an attempt to win an Xbox One X. When does that uh, start? I've, I August 31st to October 4th are the dates. Oh, I'm going every uh, night. More than 5,000 consoles they're going to give away. Um, the prize pack will come uh, with the Xbox One X, copy of Forza Motorsport 7, and three months subscription to Xbox Game Pass. So, You think Taco Bell is paying full price for those? I don't think so. No? I'd be shocked. Be curious to see how that deal's structured. Yeah, I mean, maybe they get them discounted. And it's, you know, because the publicity for both Taco Bell and uh, Microsoft, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. So I'll be doing that. Yep. That's all my nibble bits. Me Go ahead, Corey. Guild Wars 2 Path of Fire expansion was announced. Uh, Reading about it kind of made me wanted to dig into some Guild Wars. I think what I need to do, though, is just start from scratch. Yeah. Because I'm just so far into that other character that I just do not recall a thing about it. Yeah. Um, so, but I'm also considering a PC upgrade at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's time. Um, I, I haven't decided whether I'm going to start from scratch again or try and salvage some of what's here, but um, all you need probably are is a new motherboard processor, Ram graphics card. Right. Keep the case, so, keep the hard drive. So pretty much starting. Well, I kind of need a bigger hard drive because I think this is only 128. Get another one. You can have multiple Eh. SSDs. I don't know. There's no reason why you should scrap your current one. Keep it and use it. Yeah. I don't know. That way your OS is automatically on there, too. Yeah. At least I know I don't need a new monitor, which isn't. Well, maybe I do want a new monitor. I don't know. Ultra wide is the way to go, man. Eh, I don't really care about it. Pretty nice. I kind of miss a smaller monitor, to be honest with you, but that's just me. Uh, anyway, Guild Wars 2 Path of Fire uh, takes place in the Crystal Desert, which is a desert area south of Ascalon. I can't even, I don't even remember the names of these places. Uh, I guess it was part of Guild Wars 1, but I, things have changed because I think Guild Wars 2 takes place like 250 years later or before or something like that. So they're considering it a content update as opposed to a feature update, which was the Heart of Thorns. They considered the feature update. This one includes five new zones with a, with one new main feature in the form of mounts. So there are four mounts, each with its own specific benefit. There's the Raptor, which you can ride. Uh, and, and other than a big speed boost when you get a mount, you they, each one has a certain ability that you use to traverse the zones so the raptor has a big horizontal leap the springer has a big vertical jump the skimmer can hover over water and fences 
and the jackal can blink forward and blink around stuff and maneuver that way. That's pretty cool. Um, and you can ride them anywhere except for player versus player, world versus world, and some instances. So it's pretty cool that they're kind of retro fitting them into the game, that they're not just restricted to the new zones and stuff. Um, but I think it would be cool to use them for like those jumping puzzles and stuff, right? To kind of cheat some of those jumping. Yeah, that would be awesome. Jumping puzzles. Yeah, those are hard, Fiona. man. Also, coming with this expansion, new masteries, new elite specializations. There will be a demo August 11th through the 13th, and then the full release is coming September 22nd. Oh, wow. That's soon. Right around the corner. Dan, time to jump back oh in. Oh, my. I, I, you have no idea how badly I've been wanting to play Guild Wars 2 again. Let's just jump back in. Let's just get, get it going. The best part is, like, you don't need to pay for subscription fees. You already bought the game. I probably need to buy the expansion, but... You just pop in and play, download it, play. It's great. Maybe we'll do that this weekend. I've kind of been fighting for a do have no plans this weekend weekend. Uh-huh. It's not easy, man. Yeah. It's really not easy. I hear you. Uh, Stardew Valley. Some news on the multiplayer update. Uh, so the way it's going to work, basically concerned ape, outline how it's going to work uh at the start of the game robin offers to build three cabins on your farm for a farm hand which would be your friends that you play with and the farm hands can do almost anything the main player can except for choosing when to go to sleep when to start and end festivals uh and whether to i don't remember this specific decision but the one he pointed out was whether to side with joja i don't know if you guys remember that no. To me, it sounded like um, like main story kind of choices you make. Uh, the yeah. farmhands wouldn't be able to make. You don't need your own server. So wait, you could potentially cause a rift between you and your farmhands by making a decision they don't like. I don't think there's that many, though, are there? Uh, it depends. I, don't know. I, never, I never beat it. Um, you don't need your own server. They do plan to implement player-to-player -player marriages. But local split screen and player versus player are not planned. When I was reading that, I was thinking it'd be pretty cool to have player versus player in Stardew Valley. Because they have a there's, combat system and everything, you know? There's no split screen? No. So how are you going to play it on the Switch? Does You just have to play with someone else that has a Switch? Yeah. yeah. I've been telling uh, the wife we need to get another Switch, and that might be the reason why. He wrote in this blog post, Effort so far has been focused on overcoming the biggest technical hurdle, synchronizing multiple games over the internet. Almost every source file has been touched, and 15,000 lines of code have been rewritten. Retrofitting multiplayer into a game that didn't have it originally is notoriously hard. Let that be a lesson to you. I've only been waiting for this for over a year. Yeah. Get us together, what? concerned ape. Yeah. Come on, I want it, and I want it now. <laughs> now, damn it. Um, I, I seriously though, I, that's what I've been waiting for to revisit Stardew Valley has been the multiplayer. Yeah, so Sam, he did say there would be a beta test at the end of the year for Steam users. Uh, will come out in early 2018 on Windows, Mac, and Linux, and then consoles too, starting with the Switch. Uh -huh. So, did he? Did, he didn't say when the Switch version's coming out, right? That's supposed to be sometime this year. It was kind of vague the way it was written. Um, 
Oh no! I, yeah, he did, uh, not in that post. It didn't mention when the Switch version would be released. Okay. That's all I have for nibble bits. All right, Will, what do you got? I got three quickies, Dan. Super Mario Odyssey gets the highest ESRB rating in series history. Can you guys guess what the rating is? I know. Corey? Corey can guess. Say again? Super Mario Odyssey gets the highest ESRB rating in series history. Teen. I wish. Uh, E10 and up. Oh. I wonder why. Uh, What is it? Cartoon violence or whatever? Uh, the thing says cartoon and fantasy or mild violence, mild language or minimal suggestive themes. Huh. Different. Maybe so Mario bouncing on human heads is an issue. We're, we're having a, a more racy Mario game. Maybe the sombrero poncho wearing Mario drinks something a little, uh, a little alcohol. Maybe. <laughs> oh, I saw they removed his sombrero hat from the cover what? graphic or something like that oh come on really yeah that's silly i don't know that's stupid but moving on torchlight 2's team uh is releasing the next game hob called it'll be out uh september 25th so is anybody interested in that by the way yeah i, I saw a little bit about it a little while ago and I remember being interested in it, but I, I don't remember what, it, what it's about at all at this point. It's a dungeon-crawling puzzle game. Okay. So I'm kind of interested to see what that is, because I just watched the trailer of it and forgot about that game like a long time ago, so I just rewatched like uh-huh. what what they showed off. It was like a year or two ago, if I remember correctly. But that, and then my last one is Dynasty Warriors 9 is going to be heading to the West on all platforms, including PC, PS4, and Xbox One. I thought of you, yeah. Dan, for the PC. Oh, I'm getting it. Are you really? Oh, yeah. Release. Yeah. What's the release date? Uh, they don't have one yet. It's probably going to be early next year. Okay. If I were yeah, to guess. I'll, I'll be getting it. I'm really excited for this game. They've been showing off some gameplay recently, and it, it, it does look really good. And yeah, I can't I like believe I'm games. I can't believe I'm really excited for a Dynasty Warriors game, <laughs> but they're fun games. They really are. Like one of my most anticipated games this year is Fire Emblem Warriors. Like, yeah, pumped for that. Yeah, definitely. That's it for me, though. Okay, how's your week, Will? Good. I haven't been on. Was it just one week? It feels like I haven't been on in like three. Um. I don't know. Well, you, I mean, you guys just got back from Canada too, right? Kind of. Almost a month ago. So you might have been... Eh, I don't know. Yeah, it I, have no, I, I have no concept of time anymore. Yeah, the summer is just completely flying by. Like Things where I'm like, oh, it was last week was actually like a month ago. Yeah. Ah, but for starters, I should say, I wish Eric was here to talk about it with me, but I saw Dunkirk. Um, Will, you went to the movies? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> What's the matter with you? I know, something's wrong with me. I, I got convinced to go by my friends. They wanted to see it, and Dunkirk was like one of the only movies in theaters that I was semi-interested in seeing. Um, but I think Eric said Christy did not like it, but he did. I am more on Christy's side. I did not like it. Hmm. Why not? Now, now, I'm having a hard time separating what I... Because I didn't know what Dunkirk was about. Like, I had heard it, but I didn't know it was about evacuating from the, the city. So my thought on the movie was World War II, it's going to be a ton of action. 
and there really wasn't that much action. It was more suspense. I'm like, like there would be a bombing run, and then that would be it, and then it would be just like flashing between scene to scene. And I was expecting like a, a war movie with a lot of shooting and a lot of casualties and stuff like that. And I, that's not what I got from it. Hmm. Uh, so I thought it you're, was pretty you're expecting you're expecting Omaha Beach from Saving Private Ryan. Not to that extent, but yes, I was expecting more of that. Gotcha. Which definitely, you know, that's kind of on me because I didn't know what Dunkirk was. So, like, I, you know, miss, had different expectations for what I was going in to see. Yeah, but uh, also, in your defense, the trailer, which I'm watching now, shows a lot of war action. A lot of bombing and shooting and... Well, running and along the, along those lines, you guys remember the movie Pearl Harbor, right? Yeah. Yeah. You watched the trailers for that and it looked like a war flick, but it wasn't. There was like two minutes worth of war stuff and the rest was a crappy love story. Terrible yeah. movie. Terrible yeah, it was, movie. It was pretty bad. But anyway, but it's, yeah, it's, it's similar. Like there was some like plane action where people were flying and shooting, but like it wasn't just what I was expecting. I honestly found myself pretty bored for a lot of it. I will say though that the sound of the movie and like the cinematography of it was really good. Uh, they yeah. did an awesome job like shooting the movie and like with all the sounds and everything. And I thought it was well acted too. There wasn't. I was going to ask of- how's how's Tom Hardy. I didn't even know he was in it until the end. Ah. Um, but yeah, no, like it was acted well, even though there wasn't that much dialogue really anyway in it. But overall, like I was a little disappointed. But to be fair, it is getting rave reviews. Um, so maybe I'm just the idiot. Yeah. It's just your feeble brain. <laughs> yeah, it's my it's my dumb brain just wanting blood and violence. Yeah. This was a little bit more smart. So that's why that's why I say about people who don't like Game of Thrones. Same type of thing. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot to tease that at the top of the episode too. If you're listening, me and Corey after the episode, we'll talk about the most recent episode of Game of Thrones. But anyway. yeah, that's uh. And oh, by the way, you guys were talking about Star Wars. Uh, Rogue One was the Star Wars movie that I was really interested in. I think Dan said that. Yeah. Did you watch yes. it? Not yet. I just realized it was on Netflix, but I forgot, and then I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. But I will, because yeah. I do want to see it. I want to watch it again before our we canceled our Netflix because we never watch it. So, <gasps> yeah, I just use. How dare you? We're getting rid of like everything because we don't watch, like yeah. uh, our cable. Uh, even if I save two or three dollars a month by canceling cable, it's worth it. So it's an extra Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Because, like I said, we literally never watch it. Yeah. The kids watch stuff on uh, Amazon Instant Video, which we have through our Prime account anyway. And then, like, Nick Jr. has an app that will have a couple new episodes of, of their shows on there. And that's that's enough. Me and uh-huh. my wife only watch Game of Thrones. And then hockey when it comes back on. But we have the NHL Game Center package. So Right. This reminds me, Pond Hockey is not dead. I just haven't had time to do an episode. We got to do one. There you heard it. You heard it here first. Pond Hockey Podcast is not dead. Yeah. Or Loser Point or whatever we're going to be calling it. When we reboot is when it kicks back up. Yeah, we just need to rebrand and then we'll be fine. (laughs) Reboot. 
Um, so yeah, that was my movie experience. We watched it at Regal too, and let me tell you, AMC versus Regal is so much different price-wise, but the quality is not that much different. Um, the seats were just as comfortable at Regal, I thought, since they've redone it, mm-hmm. and it was six dollars as opposed to movies at AMC are twelve. Yeah. So that is why I don't go to the movies. Um, I don't go to the movies because other people ruin things for me. If there was anyone loud in the movie theater. That's remember, not... Go ahead. I remember going to the theater in Vestal before they put the new seats in there. And you could go before... Uh, weekdays before a certain time. I think it was before like 4 or something. You could get a movie ticket for $4.50. Wow. Those were the days. Those, that's dirt cheap. Um, I got the only other thing I want to talk about is I think I got to the bottom of my alleged egg allergy that I was talking to you guys about yesterday. Uh huh. So for those who don't know, recently the last like week and a half, whenever I've had eggs, I've been violently ill and had extreme stomach pain. Um, but I keep force it, forcing it because you know I, I got to hit my macros and. <laughs> Um, I thought maybe it was a problem with maybe intermittent fasting, which is where you don't eat for a certain amount of time and then get all your eating in a smaller window. I thought maybe it was that. I thought maybe it was drinking too many energy drinks. Um, but like cutting that out or eating different at a different time didn't do anything. So today I tried just egg whites and I was a hundred percent fine. So I must be having an issue with whatever fat molecule is in whole eggs. Interesting. Are you having gallbladder issues or appendix issues? I hope not. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. That yeah. could be. That's a good point, Dan. Because that's fat. Well, the gallbladder specifically is helps digest fat, fats, animal fats. Well, here's the. Oh, yeah, you animal fats. I was gonna say I eat a lot of peanut butter, but that doesn't. That's no. not really an animal that's fat. Nut fat. Good old I'm, nut fat. I made some uh, I made some ribeye steaks the other day, and with oh. it, uh, I made some French fries, and I made some bacon cheese dip for the French fries. Oh, and I fried up the bacon first, and then I was going to dump out the grease, and I'm like, wait a second, this would probably be pretty good in that cheese dip. So I made, I left the bacon grease in the pan, and then made my cheese roux in the in the pan in the bacon grease. Nice. And it was. I Magnifique. bet. Perfection. Yeah, oh yeah. It was so good. Hard it was way better than the steak. Cheese. I was eating the steak. I'm like, I just want the more cheese dip and french fries. <laughs> but that's how I know I don't have a gallbladder issue. Yeah, same here. I guess I'm going to be I monitoring my body a little bit more. Fats. I've been doing inter- intermittent fasting too, Will. Isn't it great? It is great, actually. I don't get it. Why, do, why are people doing that all of a sudden? I know a lot of people that have recently started doing that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, a lot of it was convenience. Uh, it's also cutting down on the amount that I eat in a day, which is yeah. something I sorely, sorely needed. So, like, there's a, a bunch of different ways you could do it, but the way I've been doing it is I eat all my food for the day between in an eight-hour window. So, it like, depending on what happens during the day, usually for me it's, like, 11.30 or noon to 8. I'll eat, I'll, you know, I'll have my two meals and then snacks in there. Uh, so, like... In the morning, if I'm hungry and want want something, I won't eat it because it's not in my window, you know. And same thing, like at the end of the night, um, it's it's been it's been a lot easier to control my my eating. Um, 
if I eat everything in the smaller window. Yeah, it honestly cuts down on being hungry, too, because I did a 21-hour fast just the other day. Um, Not by choice. It just kind of happened. But, like, I was fine, and I was not hungry in the slightest. Like, I'm only eating 1,800 calories in a day, and doing that in an eight-hour window is really hard for me because it's a lot of food in a short time. So, like, I'm really cutting back on what I'm eating. And, like, I'm timing it up with when I lift and everything. So... Whenever I, I eat before, go lift, so my body uses sort of what I ate already for the lift, and then I eat after, my body uses that too, so I'm not storing as much carbs and fat on my body, hmm. too. So, and it controls, like, insulin levels and all that sort of fun biological stuff, apparently. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know what the data is on that, but uh, anecdotally, like, it's I've cut down on, like, sweet cravings uh, noticeably. Which yeah, is nice. and like doing it for the two weeks that I've been doing it, I look better than I've ever looked. Yeah, I think so, I've lost like seven oh. pounds without even without it's, even doing anything. Exactly. Yeah, it really it's awesome. Hmm. Interesting. There could it could be horrible for your body, and we find out ten years from now. But It'd be too late. At that yeah, point. I've I've already done it. <clears throat> I mean, I think just naturally, I don't. I don't. A lot of times, I don't eat till like noon. Yeah, I, I literally can't eat until noon between uh, feeding the the four kids. And uh, by the time I get the twins down for their like late morning nap, I it's 11 or 1130 before I even can think about giving giving myself something to eat. So, yeah, remember just a few schedule just a few years ago, they were saying how important it is to eat a good balanced breakfast. And yeah. now that's like not true it's at a, all. Yeah. <laughs> it, like doesn't well, matter. One of the things that I always thought about that, too, like I was never, ever big into breakfast. I I was never hungry in the morning. So I would always force myself to eat. And you, you shouldn't force yourself to eat if you're not hungry, you know? Yeah. Because I would force myself to eat because, you, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, yada, yada, yada. But really, it just whatever works for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like my my window is usually one to nine. Yeah. So it really is what I like what works for you. And that's what's great. Like I still love breakfast and it's my favorite meal. So like at one, like I'll yeah, eat, eat breakfast egg. at lunch, yeah. Ex- exactly. So like that's I'm still getting the food the foods I love. That's what I do. So usually eggs of some sort I have and then Well, for me it's egg white snack. now. Right. Huh. Right. But yeah, that's okay. my week. Like uh just been super busy with friends and all that stuff. Huh. Nice. What do you got, Corey? Um, so based on the recommendations of, was it last week or maybe the week before, I watched uh, the first season of Master of None. I know the the goal is to watch the second season, but I have I, I have a hard time doing that without watching the first season. Yeah. Um, so I had kind of a lighter week at work. Uh, what I like to do, and that's the case, and the stuff I was working on was kind of things I didn't really need to focus on. It was just kind of mindless, um, some mindless programming stuff. Uh, I had it on on my computer while I was working. So I pretty much, I think I watched the whole season Monday while I was at work. Not, you know, not giving it 100% attention, but enough to kind of follow along. Yeah. Uh, but when I watch the second season, I'll like sit down and watch it. But I also, for that same reason, watched, have continued my uh, Star Trek The Next Generation in 40 Hours uh-huh. uh, mission. 
and I watched, I got through season three, uh, three's best episode and some of season four's best episode. Let me tell you, they, the episodes get really good. And I had heard like the first two seasons are dreadfully bad. Uh, but in the third season, you start to get a few good episodes. And in the fourth season, a lot of them start to get good. So I'm at the point now where, where they're, they're finally getting good and it's pretty entertaining. Uh-huh. Um, like there's an episode where data creates his own Android, um, his own artificial intelligence Android, which machines? he is one himself. Machines and making machines. How perverse. Well, yeah, but it does a really good job of exploring that idea and like making it personal. Cause, uh, the machine he creates can do things that he can't. So like he created something that's smarter than he is and, and more, uh, more human than he is, I guess is the better way to, to phrase that. Really interesting. There's a, a the one of the famous uh, cliffhangers is the end of episode three when um, Captain Picard becomes a Borg. Well, oh. that, that was cool. And I actually <laughs> remember that because I had a friend growing up who was huge into Star Trek, and yeah. I used to hate it. But when we when I went over to his house, he'd want to watch Star Trek, and I'd always humor him a little bit. Um, and I do remember that Picard turning into a Borg. So. Uh-huh. It's cool to kind of revisit that after I had totally forgotten about it. Uh, trying to think, not much else. Uh, oh, I saw, I went to see Alabama Shakes uh, in Syracuse yesterday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Um, that was pretty good. They they play a great live show. Um. I think that's pretty much it. I feel like I watched a ton of other movies and TV shows this week, but I just can't place any of them. So I guess that's that's where I'll end. Okay. Um, I don't have too awful much to talk about either. My wife decided this past week that she's, uh, well, I guess we kind of decided together that she's going to be going back to school to get her doctorate. Wow. Yay. Yeah, she's got a she's got only got to take six courses, like one per semester and then do a dissertation and she'll have her doctorate, which um, I've actually been trying to get her to do that for a while now. She wanted to take a break after she finished her because she got her administration degree. Um, she wanted to take a little break after that because, you know, the twins had been born. So, uh, you know, didn't want to just jump right into the next thing. But I've been trying to get her to do it. She's really close to it and. Uh, really likes being uh, in in higher education, so uh, she finally uh, is is in, uh, putting in all the paperwork to to get into the program. So I'm awesome for her and proud of her. Will so she I'm, be the first Doctor Murtha? <laughs> probably. That's if, a good badge uh, of honor. Yeah, absolutely. I, especially of with course my, we had to import her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, she had to marry into the family because <laughs> certainly wasn't going to be me being the crappy student that I was when I was younger. Well, let me put this in perspective. Val got her four-year, raised a family, started a career, did a couple more years in college, and is going to be a doctor by the time I leave SUNY Broom Community College. <laughs> hey. To each his own. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're willing to admit, you know, you, you know, whatever. I actually I, I'm, do... willing, I'm willing to admit I was never one cut out for, for formal education. I actually got into a very interesting conversation with somebody at work about my pace in college currently mm. from somebody who's like been at Wegmans their whole life. And I was uh, like, oh, my God. Just yeah. tell them it's Nunya. Nunya, yeah. It came from a place of caring. It was came from a don't end up like me. 
Oh, okay. I wasn't like to be well, those are down. Not, okay, it was being condescending. No, yeah, no, that's just, a good conversation. Just don't become me. Yeah, that's basically what it was. And I was like, oh god, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, I know I had something else I wanted to talk about, and I just can't. I can't come up with it. But anyway, uh, that's what I get for not writing everything down that I want to talk about. Yeah. All right, let's get into what we played, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. Right along. Yeah. All right, who wants to go first? Will, hey. let's start with you. Yeah, let Will go first. He has something real to talk about. Yeah. You guys want to hear about some Nier Automata? I do, because yeah. I can't wait to start playing Nier Automata. So I'm going to say this right off the bat. If The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild did not come out this year, this game would be my favorite game of the year. So, the game, I want to start with this. The opening sequence, the first, like, I don't know, what, 40 minutes of the game, like the intro, 20, 40 minutes, reminds me so much of the intro of Final Fantasy VII when you're going through Midgar with uh, Barrett and, you know, you're fighting the robots and the, the Shinra soldiers and everything like that. I got a real heavy vibe of that right off the bat. It just kind of reminded me of it. You're going through like a factory and you're fighting robots and stuff like that. And like, oh, here comes this big robot and it's attacking you and stuff like that. And like right off the bat, the game kind of shows you the different like angles of the game. So like there'll be like the wide open area where you're playing as the main character to be uh, and you're slashing and destroying things. And then it'll just throw you into a, like a platforming area, like a 2d platformer. And you're like jumping from areas, fighting things. And then it like the camera swings you back out into a wide open area. And like, you're fighting more monsters and so or not monsters, uh, robots. And like, I thought that was a really cool because I've never really played a game where it played with the camera angle like that. And so effectively, especially like a high pace, high action game. So I thought that was right off the bat was super cool. I did run into some issues with the intro, though. Because the game does not autosave, you have to get past the intro before you save. I think Corey talked about that, too. He did. So okay. when you fight the first boss there, maybe it's a sec- technically the second boss. It's the second time you fight the, the, the boss there. I got it handed to me three times before I advanced. So I had already played the game for like... An over an hour before I even got out of the the in, the that part to continue on in the intro because I just kept getting destroyed. So I was like, "This game's awesome, but boy, I'm really terrible. Maybe this game isn't for me." But I ended up getting it on my fourth try and like progressing, and I haven't died since. But I think the concept of the game is super cool too because what it is, it's about robots taking over earth and the uh the people from earth take off and go to the moon and what they do is instead of them fighting the battles they build an android army and they launch them down to earth to fight the battling for them so it's like this interesting like game where robots are fighting each other but one is like the self-aware and the other ones aren't and it's kind of interesting how they do that. And then there's actually a pretty cool part where, like, the ro- the the robots who took over Earth, like, talk to you. And it's that really creepy and eerie voice that they have, like, I don't know, like, where they say, must kill enemy, like, stuff like that. And, like, I'm surrounded in the dark, and I'm trying to fight off this massive army. And, like, it's really kind of freaky, like, how they how they play with that. And, like, I really, really enjoyed that part of it. Um, so... 
the the cool thing with this game though apparently is after you beat it the first time you have to beat it like four more times apparently to get all of the stories but because i guess the playthroughs are different in some sort of way so i'm kind of like this game kind of blows my mind with how it is and like when i was watching like tips on like how to like what i should do like should i be focusing on all these side quests and so on and so forth people were talking about like this is one of the best games they've ever played sort of thing so that has it's like I guess for a near game it's pretty streamlined with the the enhancements and stuff like that because what you do is you get mods to attach to your character where you can do like auto dodges or you know uh, because you have a robot with you to fly next to you you can shoot bullets at the enemies while you're hacking and slashing so you can like auto aim with like a, a mod and whatnot and it's set up where it's kind of like a, a bar like straight down and what each like mod does it takes up a little section of the bar and you can kind of play with it to see how you can make it fit so you can fit as many mods on there as you can so like that's kind of a cool thing where you're kind of you know figuring out like it's sort of like a mini puzzle within the game to try and like optimize your 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 main character um and that's really cool and it has like your basic you know equipment upgrades and stuff like that and all you know the works for an rpg if I were to compare this game, it reminds me a lot of Final Fantasy XV. Uh, you might... I don't know if you agree with that, Corey. Uh, a little bit, yeah. I think tonally, it's totally different, but... It, definitely tonally, it's different, but gameplay-wise, I think it's fairly similar. Yeah, there's some similarities. I Which, can see that. I mean, and Final Fantasy XV is one of my favorite games that I've played within the last, like, three years. So, yeah. I'm I'm really digging it, but... Uh, it's super... I'm really into the game so far. I don't know how far you got, Corey. Did you get to the desert? No. Okay. I think I stopped in that first... You get dropped off in, like, an overgrown city, and there's, like, an outpost there. Okay. That's where I stopped. It's pretty early. Okay, so that's where you stopped. I think the game sets up a little bit more once you get to the desert. Because, like, at the point you are, you're kind of just tossed in. You're kind of like, what? This world's a little weird. Like, I don't really know what's going on. Um, and then, like, once you get into the desert, you kind of hit... Like, there's, like, a, uh, a story, like, part where you're like, oh, my God. Like, so, you know, it sets up a little bit for what the game's going to be about, uh, which is cool. I don't want to spoil it because I really think everybody should play this game if they have the opportunity because it's quite something. Um but yeah, no, overall, like I'm, th- I'm really digging near, and I want to play it. And it's one of those games where I kind of want to do all of the endings because I really want to see what's going on with it. Because it's this very mysterious JRPG that everybody's speaking so highly of, and I kind of want to see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. I do also wish Eric was here because I kind of want to know why he thought I wouldn't like it. Yeah, I'm, and I'm guessing maybe because it's kind of hard would be what he was thinking. You know, if you like this, you'll love Dark Souls. I think they're completely different, though. Um, yeah, isn't, isn't it? I thought Nier was supposed to be more like Bayonetta. Nier's yeah. more Bayonetta, Dynasty Warriors, hack and slash, kill a bunch of things, whereas Dark Souls is very methodical, and you have to plan out what you're doing. Because I, I just tossed the game on easy, and like I'm just kind of mopping up because I'm not looking to get stumped for four hours. Yeah, I'm teasing, but go on. 
But yeah, and like how the the saving works in this game, you go to these like little they they look like vending machines, but what they really are is they're like things sent down from the humans to be able to connect like a satellite up to them, and from there you um you can save from that. So like you just have to be within the area of that, uh, and it shows it on the map, and that's where you can save and stuff. But there's things like side quests and all this stuff. Like it's I wouldn't say it's full blown open world because I feel like it's more guided. Like you can go from point to point, but it's definitely more like uh, of a pointed story game. I don't know if you agree with that, Corey, because you haven't gotten that far. Yeah, probably not far enough to to tell. To tell, and maybe I haven't either because I guess like there is a lot of stuff to this game. But I'm loving Nier. I think it's a fantastic game. Nice. I do think the fanfare for 2B is a little weird. <laughs> like, There's a lot of it. It's, it's always weird. It's over the top. <laughs> but that's just my two cents on that. Uh-huh. But yeah, Dan, I really think you, you will love this game. Yeah, I'm excited. One of these days, I will I will start it. No question. Do you own it? Yeah. Oh, wow. on Steam. Hmm. I think that game's 60 frames on PS4 and 30 on PC. No. I think it is. No. No, the uh no, they would it would never be 60 frames per second on a console and 30 on PC. That would never happen. I, no, I saw cut, that it was. No, the cutscenes are 30 frames per second. And gameplay is 60. I'm disagreeing, and I'm checking just to be sure. Yeah, no, no, that's not that's not the case. Is it possible to transfer a save from PC to PS4, or vice versa? I think it depends on the game. It would have the I think the game would have to have like a server. Thirty-five to forty-five, Dan. Well, I know, but that's not locked. It's it's uh, I mean, some people are getting sixty. It's just it. Ha- it's unoptimized for PC, but it's not. That's not the frame rate. You need to have for everything. It needs to be everything needs to be maxed out for sixty frames. I don't know. I don't buy it. I just read that. Well, where did you read it? PC gaming on the internet. <laughs> but I do know. I do know the PlayStation version is running at sixty or around. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I read that there's drops. The people are waiting for a patch to make it run better on all computers. It's Steam, Steam, user, Steam users are writing fixes for the bugs. Yeah. For rendering and frame rate and yeah. resolution. Yeah. It's nice that you can have that. That fans know, right? of the game can, can do that. Wasn't it the fans who tried to fix Batman? Yeah. That, like, I wouldn't like something enough to fix it. At all. Well, we wouldn't know how to do that. <laughs> You're right. I, I have no It would skills. come from people that know how to do that. <laughs> that That's really all I've played. Okay. Corey, what about you? Uh, I've been playing a ton of Rocket League, guys. A ton. And I'm so close to platinum, platinuming now two, play, now two uh, whatchamacallits. Two playlists, the standard playlist and the doubles playlist, which that one kind of came out of nowhere. I just kept winning doubles over and over and over again. And all of a sudden I was right on the nick, right on the cusp of getting to to platinum. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to throw myself a party when I do. Yeah. You know, I'll just have a party for myself. Like, congrats, Corey party. Six pack of craft brew and snacks. Yeah. Pat yourself on the back and say, good job, Corey. You did it. Yeah, it's, it'll be a crowning achievement, but uh, I just can't stop. And I, I like I can feel myself getting better, too, which is rare. Huh? Um, I don't know. And today there was an update. They made it so you can trade up very rare items, which I did. I traded up all my very rare drops uh, and got a like a paint job or something weird I had never seen before. So that was cool. Uh, I don't know. There's really not much to say. I rage quit today. Again, because uh, the guy on my team was doing way worse than me. And he was just riding me the whole game. And we were losing pretty bad. It was like 4 nothing, And he'd make a terrible play, turn the ball over, and then I'd miss the save or something like that. And then he'd be like, come on, bro. And then he'd start mocking me with the what a saves and nice shot. And I just, I was just like, you know what? I don't need this. I quit. Yeah. I quit. I've also taken to reporting people when they get, when they do name calling, like inappropriate things. Mm-hmm. Like racial and homophobic things. Uh, well, yeah, because the I mean the developers don't want that type of behavior in their game because that scares away people who are casual right. players who shouldn't yes. be called those names for playing their game once in a while. So yep. they don't and, want that. And when teams start going at it, like team to team is one thing. I'm okay with some ribbing between yeah. teams, but when it's your own team and you start riding each other and name calling and telling each other they suck and all that stuff, then I I always try to say something like. You know, you're making the game not fun. Like, get out. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just to send a message because it just gets tiring. I don't know. And it, it does ruin the fun of it. Um, so, I don't know. But that's pretty much been, been all I've played. I did play, like, another hour of Pyre. That game's still pretty cool. I just... I'm still... I think I'm still kind of in a game funk. Uh, unable to really find anything that hooks me. So yeah. I, I don't really know. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Everything yeah. sounds good. And then I sit down and play and then I just lose interest very yeah. quickly. Let's play player unknown together. I would oh, do that. Yeah. Do you own it? No, I could. I'll play some PUBG with you. I really, really want to play that game like really bad. It's only 25 bucks. Yeah, but I had three dollars in my account until today. Ask mom for a credit card. I have one. That can be your first purchase. (laughs) I already used it to put gas in my car because I saw I had $3 in my bank account. Where's all your money going? You don't Uh, do anything. That is not true. You have no expenses. Where does your money go? That is not even close to true. What What are your expenses right now? Paying off tuition, paying on my phone paying for gas because i'd have to drive 30 minutes to get anywhere maybe you shouldn't drive a ford escape everywhere i have no options get a bicycle oh because i'm gonna ride a bicycle over 38 oh i went to uh my boss's meat fest this weekend um never mind he has meat fest and i rode my bike (laughs) there with a six pack of beer in one hand (laughs) i felt pretty good about myself yeah uh, you should get a basket. That's the end of that story. I, we have a basket. I just haven't put it on the bike oh. yet. 
Uh, my girlfriend had one that she never used, so I took it off, fully intending to put it on my bike, and I just haven't yet. Yeah. So that I happens to me too. I've got a million little unfinished, just minute or two minute or five minute projects that I need to do, and I just never, yeah. never do them. Yeah. I do them when I'm having a bad day because accomplishing times, something. Right. Yeah. You know, check, checking some boxes always kind of helps put me back on track. Yeah. Um, just to feel like you said, accomplished. So, mm-hmm. but I've been, you know, like I said, I had a pretty light week of work. So I've, I've just sort of just coming home and just playing rocket league and trying to play pyre, but uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, so I played a significant amount of Splatoon 2. I'm getting ready for this week's or this weekend Splatfest, which starts at some point tomorrow. I didn't I didn't get the exact times, but uh, this first post release Splatfest is going to be uh, which is a better condiment, ketchup or mayonnaise? Ooh, yeah, it wasn't really a hard choice for me. Ketchup, right? Of course. I don't like mayonnaise very much. Um, I'm more of a Miracle Whip guy. I like the tangy zip of Miracle Whip. Yes. Ew, you like Miracle Whip more than mayonnaise? Yeah, because on a sandwich, like I like a little taste to it, and not what? just smearing fat on bread. I agree. Well, I, I mean, I, I I don't normally put mayo on sandwiches. Uh, I usually go with mustard or horseradish or something. But yeah, I like mayo and French fries. Mayo and cheeseburgers. Yeah, that's okay on a few things, but like I said, I prefer to have the the flavor in the mayo. And, you know, good good Miracle Whip. <laughs> I know that makes me a pansy, but whatever. Um, anyway, you know, so I've been practicing up for for Splatfest, uh, tinkering with different builds. Um, I think I decided on the tri slosher bucket and my gear. Um, I have a, a shirt that I wear that's stealth, so whenever I travel as a squid through the ink, I'm, I'm invisible, which is nice. I can sneak up on people and blast them with a few, few paint bucket shots and, and splat them. Uh, and then I use ink saver and, um, uh, fast recharge as my other primary stats. And the other ones are just random things. Uh, so I think that's going to be my build. I actually had quite a bit of success last night with my build. And, uh, I think I've rattled off like eight or nine victories in a row, which is nice. Uh, but I've also been tinkering a little bit with the motion controls. Apparently, all the top players only use motion controls, and there's been a lot of articles posted about how much better motion controls are, especially if you're a PC gamer like I am and are used to keyboard and mouse for your shooters, how much better the the motion controls are. So one thing a lot of people are doing are they're because you can obviously split the Joy-Con. They're using the, you know, putting the left Joy-Con in your left hand, right Joy-Con in your right hand, because the right Joy-Con is the one that controls the aiming so you have you know like Corey played uh breath of the wild you know one in one hand one in the other um and you almost like a laser pointer use the the right joy con to aim um i can see how that does work i haven't gotten used to it yet but i think with some some practice i'll be able to get the hang of it plus with my choice of weapon the 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 paint bucket it's not a precise weapon so it's not like i have to be super precise with my my uh sloshes so (laughs) I haven't really haven't really gotten the hang of that too well. Uh, I get the points too where I'm like com- completely like confused. It's still a little weird. I still wish they would go with the Breath of the Wild aiming solution because I thought that worked perfectly. But maybe at some point down the road they'll they'll put that in because that would be perfect for me. 
Um, but yeah, uh, still loving Splatoon 2. I probably have about 25 hours in the Splatoon 2, if I had to guess. Um, that's really mostly what I played this week. Uh, it, it's just so damn convenient having the Switch and being able to f- fire it up anywhere and play it for a few minutes here and there. I haven't even sat down on my computer to play a game in a couple weeks now just because of how easy it is to play stuff on the Switch. It's a um, great console. Yeah, it is. I'm 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 looking forward to more games coming out for it. Uh but I did buy Overcooked last week, uh last Thursday, I think it was, on on Switch. I know Corey, you played it, right? And Eric yep. played it. Yep. Uh so basically what it is, it's a two to four player co op cooking game. Um you uh up on the top of the screen, you have like orders of the food that you need to make. And uh, there's different jobs in the kitchen that you kind of have to communicate with your, with the people that you're playing with. Like one is you're cutting up the, the food that needs to be cut up. Then you like, at least for now, the ones we were making were all soups. So it'd be tomato soup or onion soup. So you would have to cut up the three tomato, cut up three tomatoes and put them in the pot and boil them, cut up three onions and put them in the pot and boil them. Uh, and then like, you can't let the, the whatever food is in there, be in there for too long because otherwise it'll catch on fire. Then you have to go get the the uh, fire extinguisher, put out the fire. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really 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 awesome game. Um, really good for for co op. Um, me and me and the wife need to to work on on having separate jobs. You know, like we were especially uh, last time because we we played after I got done with podcast and I'm always a little bit brain tired after a podcast night. So we were we were having a little little trouble with our our communication. Uh, some of the stuff we were able to do without even like talking to each other, telling each other what we were going to do. But um, yeah, it's definitely going to take some practice. It's a fun game though. I was actually able to play a little uh, on Switch. Overcooked. With, yeah. Nice. With, Your coworker brought it to work. No, I went over to his place and we played for like ten minutes before we went to the bar. Oh, nice. But, uh, yeah, it's way more fun with someone else. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, that's what he you said by too. yourself? Well, the first time I had played with other people, but that's what he said when we started playing. He's like, wow, this is way more fun with someone else. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't even realize you could play it by yourself. I didn't know either, but, yeah. <laughs> I think it does say one to four players on the thing. Yeah. But why would you want to? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a blast. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next time. Maybe we'll play it tonight, but... As I said, I'm always brain tired after podcasts. I, I don't talk this much in the whole rest of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Me neither. Other than yelling at my kids, right? Yep. Uh, so that I played that. I also re-downloaded Final Fantasy Tactics onto my phone and started playing that again. Nice. Yeah. But my game. phone, it's a great game. Uh, and it works really well on touchscreen. It's, it's one of the few. Uh, I think that I don't know if it's better on a touchscreen, but it's acceptable on a touchscreen. I actually the last time I played it and beat it, it was on my phone. So let's tell you about the issue I'm having with it on my phone. No. So I don't know how it happened, but I'm in the first battle at Dorder. Is it not Dorder? Tra- yeah, Dorder. Uh, Dorder Tra- Garland. City. No, Garland. Oh, the oh, very Garland, first battle. Garland Magic City uh, or the second battle, because the first one is the one at the monastery, right? Yep. Yeah. So I entered that battle without having any characters there. So it's just Ramza and Delita. And I can't go back to the point where I choose my party for that battle. 
So I have to start a game. All, I have to start the game all over again, essentially. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Luckily, you didn't lose that much progress, though. No, but it's still frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because it's a it's a lot of dialogue and stuff at the beginning of the game. You know, it's yeah, it's kind of was, annoying. Was it you, Dan, that couldn't get past uh, Act Three because you kept dying in yeah, the there, Castle of Rio Vance? There was a couple places that, that I had gotten to in that game that I just couldn't advance anymore. That was one of them. That spot is like tricky. Yeah, well, I mean, it's one of those things that if you're not quite powerful enough, you can't back out if you saved in there. So, you can, you know, you can't keep going. That's the one where you have to have the, is it the thief? To make sure that they, they go first. Oh, no, that's not the one. You okay. want, like, the one you on want, the rooftop. Like, the, well, the one-on-one is also really hard. Pretty much that entire sequence, because you get to save after, before the one-on-one, then you can save right after the one-on-one and then you can save again for the rooftop yeah which is the rooftop one that's when um limberry limberry and the two marquis yeah marquis elmdor and his two assassins marquis elmdor that's oh that was easy that one's easy no i mean it's it's only easy if you have you have to have a is it a ninja or a uh a thief that can that goes first no matter what I just had a good idea ca- for a podcast episode. You're, otherwise, your characters get killed. What? Ranking the Final Fantasy Tactics battles by difficulty. I feel, like we could, I feel like we could talk about that for hours. Yeah, definitely. That's a fantastic idea, actually. We would have to save that for another episode that Eric wasn't on. Yeah, right. Because I'm, I'm sure, sure he, he would love that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he would. Uh, so yeah, play, uh, the only problem is like my phone time has significantly decreased. My, my twins are at a, at a point where they're always like flailing and stuff. And, and anytime I hold them and try to use my phone, they try to either grab it or kick it out of my hand. So even when I'm giving them bottles, which takes like an hour out of my day, four times a day, um, I can't use my phone because they're spending the entire time either trying to grab my phone or kick my phone out of my hand, uh, and not drinking the bottle, so just have Max watch them. Well, I'm I'm talking about like when I have to hold them for whatever reason. Yeah, like I Max. said, giving, giving him a bottle. <laughs> Max, give him a bottle. <laughs> so Be yeah, an older brother. I, for the most part, my phone just sits on my nightstand now. But anyway, that's all I played. Nice. Oh uh, nice, yeah. Nice. Shall we get into feedback? I'm with it. I should have called it up earlier, but I didn't. That's first one. uh, Feedback and request. Oh, this is from uh, Cameron, who says thumbstick athletes. Well, guys, it's been three weeks since I wrote in and lots has been going on with my gaming. Bought Battlefield one was expecting great things, was very disappointed. This happens to be a war I have studied in my own life and was told that it was quite true to the experience. I was playing the campaign. It started out great. It filled the feeling of insignificance that offensive on the Western Front were known for. And dying and spawning as another soldier on the same attack was very cool. However, my next campaign was as a tanker at Cambrai. I know I've mentioned in the past my infantry background, and I came up being quite close to a Canadian armored unit, uh, the Fort Gary Horse having deployed with many of them who are now tasked in armored reconnaissance and convoy escort roles in world war one. They were, uh, they were on, or one of the armored units that took part in the historic battle. Uh, it's one of their battle honors. Uh, now with these high hopes 
rather than being treated to the frantic desperation and confusion. I was given the your special mission where I am dismounted and single handedly taking out large German defensive positions. Well, this left me eye rolling quite hard. I then did some multiplayer and it was an underwhelming experience. Final note on this, I was so excited that a game would be fought almost exclusively with my uh, bolt-action rifles and crew-served machine guns. So imagine my shock when I'm picking up every manner of semi-auto and self-loading rifles and machine guns and SMGs. Did these obscure, obscure prototypes exist? Sure, but make no mistake, World War I infantry battles were fought with bolt-action rifles and crew-served machine guns. So the idea that I can't find a Lee Enfield in an entire segment of the game while playing as a British, shol- British soldier? Unacceptable. I returned the game and got a refund. Uh, perhaps one day when it is on sale for $10, I'll buy and f- finish the campaign, but not for $160 Canadian for all the content. Uh, next, my romance with Titanfall 2 has ended. There was a major update with new, fun new game modes. They were fun, so this should have been good. However, uh, with the new team versus computer, they made no correction for kills. Uh, equals experience ratio as compared to fighting real players. So in one night, I went from level 28 to level 50, which is the max level, and maxed out all my anti-Titan weapons as well as completing all unlocks on three of the Titans that I use. This has been taking me months of play in the regular arenas. It completely broke the game. All I have left to unlock is different camo patterns. And guys, I assure you, I'm not that good. It should have taken me a long time. Anyways, although this is a negative negative couple weeks for my gaming, I'm going to try and get back into Tyranny and continue my RPG RPG adventure. Keep up the game of Thrones hangovers as me and the girlfriend are both loving them. P.S. Can you guys type out a list of the games that I can pick? I was only able to search three of them and could not understand the last one. We can do that. Uh, when, um, I, when I finish the episode, I'll I'll reply with the games list. Right? I've got them. Oh, I can do it right now. All right. Um. Uh. First, Battlefield One. Um. I I was kind of expecting the same thing, uh, Cameron, as you were. Uh. But I watched. It was Total Biscuits video on Battlefield One, and he was running around in like armor, anti-gun armor. And uh, same same idea, showing how ridiculous some of the some of the battles were in in that uh, unreal. I should say unrealistic uh, because they were kind of going for the realism thing, and it, that was definitely not realistic at all, and took a lot of people out of the campaign. He was like running up a hill towards a castle, um, and like I said, he was wearing full on armor, and he was just like taking bullet after bullet after bullet. Oh, that was uh, the Italian, um, the Italian one, the story. Yeah. Definitely unrealistic, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't like that they marketed it as kind of being like realistic tellings of the yeah of the war the war because like I know going in that they're not because they're gonna try and make it entertaining as possible. Yeah. yeah. So like I don't like the marketing of oh it's super realistic because it's just it's just not because then it wouldn't be as interesting. Well, I could yeah. be wrong with that, but sure. Like, it's more fun to be a soldier taking bullets and an armor than getting shot and dropping, you know? Yeah. Or two shots or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. But that sucks that it ruined his experience because I really like Battlefield 1. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the better Battlefields of recent, so... Yeah. I wish he I liked only, it. I only briefly played the multiplayer, uh, and I was the same way. I didn't didn't love it. Uh, but for me, not being used to that type of game, there was a little too much going on. Yeah, uh, I definitely prefer the more focused 
uh, multiplayer shoot like Overwatch is the only one I've kind of been able to stick with a little bit. Um, it's you know five versus or six versus six, five versus yeah. six versus six. six versus six. Um, so yeah, I've been, uh, I've been playing Overwatch too, Dan. <laughs> I've fired up occasionally and do the the uh, mystery heroes. That's what I've been doing too. I love I it. Just, it's I just fun. I don't understand how you guys can just keep playing the same game all the time. <laughs> yeah. I will never hear a word of crap from you and Eric about playing the same game. I don't even entertain it. Uh, pot, pot calling the kettle black. Exactly. Uh, Titanfall 2. Yeah, that sucks about the, the changes. I, I actually hadn't read about read, read up on the changes, but I do, actually do want to play the Battlefield 1 and Titanfall 2 campaigns when they go on Origin Access. So as long as I don't have a lot of other things that I'm playing at the same time, that's that's my plan. Just blaze through those campaigns. I won't touch the multiplayer at all. And then uh, back to Tyranny. I've got to get back to Tyranny too. I was just thinking that. I, that's kind of the type of game I've been in the mood for. I should I should revisit that. Yeah, something something deep. Yeah. It's also kind of, you know it's it's low stress. That's when you just sit back with the mouse. Mouse in, in your right hand, beer in the left. Yeah. You and when know. things get a little hairy, you hit the pause button. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hit the pause button or read a lo- reload a save from a few minutes ago and, and re-prepare yourself for whatever's going on. There you go. That's what I did a lot in uh, Pillars of Eternity if I walked into a trap or something. Uh, and then, yeah, Corey's going to send you send you your games. I already sent. Oh, I already sent. Speaking of, Dan, uh, did you yeah. ever send Chivalry I, Medieval Warfare? I did. I okay. sent it after, after last week's episode. Okay, so I'm going to remove that. Yeah. And we also, uh, Alex, uh, gets one of Guacamele, Slime San, a virus named Tom, Action Hank, Rhyme Berta, and Greed Corp. Yeah, okay. I don't think we've heard from Alex which game. Um, nope. Okay, next feedback is from Derek in Chicago, who says, Hey guys, a couple of quick things. I downloaded Crusaders of Light. Haven't started it yet, though. I was curious if Corey is still playing, and if so, what server did he choose? Uh, is there a guild on there as well? Even if we trailed off on Galaxy of Heroes, the brief time with the guild was a blast. The Destiny 2 beta was okay, not a lot to do, but the first mission had uh, some great promise of better storytelling. Really excited to see what they do with this world and the lore they've already started. Also, Diablo 3 is a fantastic as always. Season 11 started a couple weeks ago, and you can do the seasonal stuff on consoles now too. I'm excited for the PS Plus games this month because I never got to try Just Cause 3. Bayonet and Slime Rancher are exciting too on Xbox. You guys should do an episode on Slime Rancher because this is totally an Eric game. Not really. Finally, <laughs> loving the Game of Thrones spoiler talks. The season is flying by and each episode is better than the last. Can't wait to hear what you guys thought about the last one. Keep up the great work. Derek from Chicago. Um, Slime Rancher. That's a game I've been interested in for a while. And one of these days when I see it on a really steep sale, I'll I'll finally pull the trigger. And Bayonetta is awesome. I will say Bayonetta 2 I liked better, but Bayonetta being uh, on the Xbox. What is it? Is that Games with Gold Xbox? Will? Yes, it is okay. Games with Gold. It took me a minute to think, but I think it is <laughs> Games with Gold. I can never, I can never remember. That's, yeah, that's a great free game. 
Um, yeah, and I'll try Slime Rancher at some point. Yeah, we own Just Slime Rancher, right? From do we? From uh, one of the the humble monthlies. I own it. I don't know where else I would have gotten it. Uh, speaking of humble monthly, it's up tomorrow, so we'll know what the new early unlocks are. I be I I have the. Or I buy a Humble Monthly based on what the early unlocks are. If the early unlocks are games I already have, I don't get it. But I don't think I have Slime Rancher. I can see I if do, you have I, it. I definitely have it. I looked saw it today. I'm like, oh, oh. I guess I own that. Because um, it has like a 90-something percent review score. Like People love yeah, that you game. Do, you do have Slime Rancher. And I don't. I don't know where I got it from. We could do an episode it, on that if, if I enjoy it enough to play it for more than half an hour. I'm going to install it after the episode, just in case. What's the I, de- what's the de- deal with it? Um, it's kind of it. like it's it, it's kind of like a breeding game. I think it's oh. uh, what uh, what the heck is it? Uh, Viva Pinata. Mm. I think it's supposed to be a little bit like that. Rebreed. I think you breed slimes instead of pinatas. I'll read the description. Slime Rancher is a tale of Beatrix LeBeau, a plucky young rancher who sets out for a life a thousand light years away from the earth on the far, far range where she tries her hand at making a living wrangling slimes. All right. Yeah. Well, it's only um, it's 13 bucks. That's I might just buy it. You could always try it on mine and then buy it if you like. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Uh, I do have an answer to what server I'm on for Crusaders of Light. There it. The answer is Fertile Gorge UTC5. And no, I have not been playing it, but that doesn't mean I won't return to it. Uh, it's just one of those things that, I don't know, I just haven't really played mobile games too much. Yeah. Nor have I. Nor have I. Other than Pokemon Go. Play just about every day. Oh, I played the new Tales game that's on uh, mobile that just came out. There's a new Tales uh, game on yeah, mobile? It's called The the Rays. It's free. At least free to really? start. I don't know at what point there's... Like, it's free to play, but there's some items available. Oops. Like Tales? Like Tales of Zisteria and Tales of Basaria? And... Yeah. From really? Band- Bandai Namco. Alright. I'm going to have to look into it. Tales of the Rays. So, real yeah. quick, I forgot to tell you guys, I lied. I played like three hours of the Destiny beta. Oh, nice. No, we uh, we knew that. Oh, uh, you did? You yeah, you want to talk about it now? Not really. Okay. <laughs> we'll just do it next week. Okay. I might Is that try it this for story. feedback, Dan? Yeah, two pieces. Two Two games for the game giveaway. All right, let's do the game giveaway. Uh, so we have two entrants yep. in the form of Derek will be two and Cameron will be one, right? That is correct. All right. So one, two, and the winner is number one, Cameron. Cameron, it is. Congrats, Cameron. Congrats, congrats Cameron. You're gonna get to look at. You're gonna get to browse two lists of games. All right, the first game up is number ninety. Fairy Bloom Freesha. <laughs> this one again. Is is this Google random number generator messing with us? It wants Fairy Bloom Freesha out. It's RNG bullshit, like uh, XCOM. 
I do feel like the same games show up over. There's oh, 211 definitely. games on this list, and I feel like we just keep seeing the same crap games over and over well, again. Like, I look through the list, and I see, like, Prison Architect, which is a widely renowned game, and just, yeah. like, all the other really good stuff we have, and Fairy Bloom Freesia pops up every week. <laughs> no. I promise there's good games in there. All right. 201. Civ 4 Complete Edition. That's a good one. It's not bad. There we go. Civ 4 was great. I probably played Civ 4 more than any other Civ. Uh, 44. The Beginner's Guide. A game I really, I really liked. There's another one. Uh, beginner. That's a good, that's one of those good, uh, experience kind of games. It's, uh, I, can, I think I recommended it to you guys, but I don't think any of you, of you played it, but you're basically, the game is about exploring somebody's game, an, another person's games that he has created. Mm-hmm. And they're just like prototype versions of all of them and, and there's a narrator and he talks about like oh my friend was going through this when he created this game and then you move on to another one and he tries to kind of find a common thread throughout all the games nice 176 crisis 2 maximum edition now we're getting some different games i think i just needed to say something yeah he needed to call out google they know yeah it's listening to me Four games, and the last one is number 76. Thomas was alone. And that's your, that's your Thomas was alone, Dan. Okay. All right, so Cameron, your choices uh, for this one are Fairy Bloom Freesia, Civ 4 Complete, The Beginner's Guide, Crisis 2 Maximum Edition, and Thomas was alone. I kind of want him to take Fairy Bloom Freesia, so it's out of the fold. We can always just remove it. No. That's, yeah. That's that wrong. game deserves a proper home. Yeah. Yes, it does. Okay. Any other thoughts? Uh, no. We should do a Rogue One episode once Will watches it. Yeah, I'm down Maybe for that. Maybe we could tack it on to uh, the Game of Thrones after or whatever. I still think we should open up another... I mean, I don't know how much data we have available every month, Dan, but open up another uh, episode or yeah. another show with the Thumbstick Athletes Presents, and then we could just use that to record whatever else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it depends on the month. Like, Yeah. This episode will be two hours. It's a little on the lower side when they get to be three hours or a little over three hours. That's when that's when we use up our bandwidth cap. Fair enough. But I mean, if you wanted to put something else, we could just record it and I could put it in when I think we're not going to hit the cap. Yeah. So because some months we only get to like 300 megabytes, depending on, you know, once we get into the heavy game release schedule again, we won't have as much bandwidth. So. Yeah, that's everything. Do we have a topic for next week that we want to say in advance? Probably not. Maybe Slime Rancher. Maybe Slime Rancher. Yeah. Maybe Pyre. Maybe Pyre. I want Pyre, but I'm poor. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. 
we'll toss around a few ideas. We'll start the conversation about what the episode's going to be on Monday, and then we'll decide on Wednesday or Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Is, Ho- is Hollow Knight out for Switch yet? No. Okay. I am definitely waiting for that to come out on Switch. That's a made-for-Switch game, you know? Yeah, because it's only it's below $10 on Steam right now. Yeah, it's tempting. I almost bought it during the Steam Summer Sale, but... Like I'm just gonna not play it on the computer and play it when it comes on Switch. So I might as well save that nine dollars for something else. Yeah, true. Three coffees at Dunkin' Donuts was probably what it turned into. Yeah, but okay. Um, so that'll do it for episode three fifteen of the Thumbstick Athletes podcast. I'm your host Dan. Well, Corey, thanks for listening and get out of my basement. Okay, welcome back again. Uh, if you've listened to these before, you know that these contain Game of Thrones spoilers. This one is uh, Season 7, Episode 3, The Queen's Justice. Um, so if you haven't seen the episode or don't care, you can keep listening. Or if you've seen the episode or don't care, you can keep listening. Otherwise, if you don't want it spoiled for you, stop listening now, right? Right. Okay. So the very first scene is Jon Snow, King of the North, and Sir Davos Seaworth arriving at Dragonstone for the much-awaited meeting between Jon and Daenerys. I, however, was more excited for his meeting with Tyrion. Uh, me and the wife are slowly watching again from the beginning, and uh, we just kind of watched the episode where, or the episodes where Tyrion and Jon are are kind of become friends uh during their time together at castle black mm-hmm. and when Tyrion is visiting so i was looking forward to that interaction uh between the two obviously they've both been through a ton of things before they uh before they were able to meet again um so that was a nice uh a nice moment uh they head up into the throne room there's a couple details i'll cover later on um during that brief interaction at the beginning uh, but yeah, they head up into into uh, the throne room, I guess, for lack of a better word, in Dragonstone. Um, and John and Daenerys uh, have it out, kind of. More or less, Daenerys wants him to bend the knee and uh, aid her armies in defeating, defeating Cersei. John and Davos say, no, you need to be worried about the Night King. And obviously no one believes John and Davos about the threat of the white walkers and the night king and the army of the undead um Tyrion, it seems kind of at least believes him um but doesn't really uh can't really get the ear of the 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 dragon queen you know so what do you think of all this stuff so far cory i enjoyed it um yeah hmm I don't know. I, I almost want to say I was disappointed. I, I just felt like uh, Jon Snow wasn't very kingly. 
I thought, he, thought Daenerys was very queenly, whereas Jon yeah. Snow, I, I don't know if it was intentional or if he just didn't have a great scene. Um, I don't I think just, he's I don't think he's very kingly to begin with. Yeah, but I, I think if the goal was to come in there and like convince her, I don't think he did a very good job of that at all. No, Maybe that was not. intentional, um, but he didn't he didn't appear to have any sort of power, you know? Yeah. And and I think you're right. Like he doesn't he doesn't care about that. But I think uh, he would have been much wiser to go in there with a little bit more assertiveness and you know, yeah, uh, courtly manner. I guess. <laughs> nah, the Northerners don't don't have that. Yeah. In them. No, fair enough. They're they're their own breed. Um, yeah. Which they make note of. Yeah, I was uh I, I enjoyed this part. Um I was I wasn't I don't know, I I guess I wasn't hoping for anything anything different. Oh, one of the cool parts I thought was when they're walking up the long staircase and the dragons kind of do a yeah. little flyover and uh John and Davos hit the deck. Yeah. You know, obviously thinking uh, an aerial attack. Uh and Tyrion's like, Yeah, I wish I could tell you that you get used to it, but you never really do. Mm-hmm. But that was a that was a cool moment. But yeah, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I I just don't think, and maybe it had to do with the hall that they were in and being having their weapons taken uh, from them. Maybe I don't want to say neutered them, but you know, maybe put a little intimidation in them, and they didn't necessarily come plead plead their cases as good as they probably could have. Yeah. But a lot of that too is based on you know not no one believing in the the white walkers or the night king you know yeah it's kind of a hard thing to believe and danny is all about you know you came here so you're supposed to bend the knee so john's not all about the bending the knee how hard would it be for them to get proof i mean danny could just hop on a dragon and and go scout him out right like i don't know if it's that easy it's kind of far from the north to King's Land or uh, Dragonstone. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that scene. The next is Euron uh, parading through the streets with Alaria Sand and uh, Tyrene Sand and Yara Greyjoy. Uh, similar to the Cersei Walk of Shame, uh, people are spitting at her, calling, call, spitting at them, calling them names, uh, throwing things at them. While uh, Euron Greyjoy sucks in the the revelry uh, and the cheering from the crowds, uh, takes them up to Cersei and presents them presents them to her. Um, even then, Alaria Sand is uh, um, defiant. I guess you should say uh, spits right at Cersei. Uh, but then there's a, a funny scene between uh, uh, Cersei says she will give him what his heart desires after the war is over. Uh, and then Euron goes off to the side to talk to Jamie, uh, asking him for tips. <laughs> Jamie's like tips. Uh, when Euron wanted to know tips for uh, how Cersei likes it in the old sack, whether she likes it rough or gentle, <laughs> finger in the bum. <laughs> it's a great moment. <laughs> All the important questions. All the important questions is right. Uh, so that was a funny scene. Uh, and then it shows Alaria and Tyrene. Did you want to comment on that, Corey? Nope. Go ahead. 
Okay. Uh, then shows Alaria, Sand, and Tyrene in the dungeons of of the King's Landing, or the Red Keep, I guess. Um, and Cersei's kind of talking to them. They're both uh, like chained up and gagged, so they they can't talk. Um, but she's just talking about how much she loves her daughter, and um, you know the the usual from Cersei. Uh, talking about the different ways she thought of of torturing both of them. Uh, but what she ends up deciding to do was uh, kind of using Ilaria Sands' own medicine against her. Uh, the the long farewell poison she puts on her lips and gives Tyrene a big old smooch on the lips. And then wipes it off and immediately drinks the, the elixir. Um, so obviously they know what that's going to be about. Uh, yeah. How'd you feel about that? I don't think you did it justice, Dan. That was a very intense scene. It was a very intense scene. Absolutely. I don't want to cover every little bit of dialogue. Very well, well performed. Well, I think it's important to note because like most people didn't really care for the sand snakes tangent at all. Um, And apparently from what I understand that they were kind of bothered by that, like kind of hurt them as performers and stuff like that. Um, I I mean, I don't think it's their fault, but, uh, I just thought that scene was so well acted by the the actresses that play Alaria and, and Tyreen. The way they were chained up and mm-hmm. Cersei was outlining like you're you're going to be chained. Well, you're going to watch your daughter die, and you're just yeah, gonna, and I'm going to keep you alive, and you're just going to rot as you look at your dead daughter like across yeah. from you. Mm-hmm. Very cold, calculated yeah. performance by Lena he- Headey, and uh, I thought the the two actresses performed that very well their fear and anger and hate and all that stuff was was in their faces so yeah it was a, apparently it was her Alaria's la, last scene too so that's okay probably all we'll hear from them i think i i asked my my girlfriend told me that and i'm like oh did you hear that from the production leaks or whatever that or the hack or whatever mm-hmm. and she's like no she did an interview and she said that in her interview that that was the last we'll see from her okay so. yeah because i actually wondered if Cersei was maybe faking the whole thing just to, uh, you know, put some pain in them. Yeah. And make them wonder, you know, leave them in the yeah. dark about things. Uh, but apparently that's not going to be the case. Well, that thought crossed my mind, too. But then I started to think about, well, why? Why would she do that? She's yeah. such a bad person. Like, honestly, this is this isn't terrible. <laughs> like, considering all the other awful things she could do. I mean, I guess yeah, it's sure. pretty bad, but it's not it's not a slow, painful death, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, at the same time, like, especially in this case, like I kind of feel like it's not justified. I don't want to say that, but I understand where Cersei's coming from here. Um, yeah, they murdered her daughter for literally no reason. She had nothing to do with anything. She was just happened to have, uh, the same last name as, uh, you know, some people who had done the Martell's some harm. She was a nice girl. Yeah. So, uh, I kind I kind of get where Cersei's coming from here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to sound like a sociopath because I'm not, but yeah, I, I I I see it. But plus, you know, you you think about when you have kids, if anyone ever hurt them, the things that you would do to them, you know. So, mm-hmm. I get it. I get it, Cersei. Uh, so then she goes up to Jamie's chamber, and they have a a romp. Mm. Um, yeah. And then in the morning when the servant comes to whatever, you know, whatever the servants do, 
Uh, Jamie's like, don't, you know, don't, don't answer the door. No one can see me. And Cersei's like, I am the queen of the seven kingdoms. I do what I want. So she opens the door, gives the maid some instructions. So it, she's kind of making it clear that she doesn't care that people know about her and Jamie at that point. Big mistake. You think? I think so. I think it, it plays into the bigger picture of like the state of the Lannisters, uh, which we'll get into a little bit more. But mm. I don't think it's a good look for them. Sure. And especially at a time when they're looking for allies. Yeah. And people Fair people enough. do not look fondly on incest. <laughs> no, they don't. Except for, well, you, I don't know. I, I don't know how they felt about it with the Targaryen rulers. I think they just kind of came to accept it because it had been happening for so long, you know? Yeah. Uh, moving on, Sansa doing some managing in, in Winterfell. Um, yeah, she solves a grain problem that they're having. She solves some armor problems that they're having. Put the, uh, why aren't the, why is there no leather on these plates? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> something like she does that. that. Uh, the in, most interesting thing for me in this particular scene was the little finger bit at the end when he tells her to imagine everything, every possible scenario in your head, play it out in your head. That way nothing can surprise you. Mm. Uh, that was a good bit. Good bit of wisdom from, uh, from a little finger who, who's done really nothing so far this season. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed with where that's going. Honestly, I think he's just biding his time. I think he was waiting for John to leave, and now he's going to make his move. Yeah, I, I, I guess I shouldn't judge it before we actually see how this ends, but I just feel like his storyline is fizzling out uh, yeah. with a not very, a not a very rewarding turn or anything like that, you know? Yeah, I actually saw a really cool artwork. Uh, this is not related, but it was a, a really neat uh, artist drawing of Littlefinger blowing up the wall with uh, with uh, drag um, wildfire. <clears throat> Why? Like just to create chaos, because you know he had the speech earlier in the in the show about chaos being a ladder. Uh-huh. So he would climb the chaos when everyone was fighting the the White Walkers as they were pouring through the walls. Littlefinger would be plotting, and uh, I think it was Varys too that said Littlefinger would be king of this, uh, would see the country burn to the ground if he could be king of the ashes. Mm-hmm. You know, so so that was a neat piece of artwork. Mm. Um, oh, and then um, at the once uh, Littlefinger finishes up that little speech, uh, Sansa summoned to the front gate, and uh, Bran finally makes it home. Bran and Mira. Ugh. Uh, but Bran is clearly changed. Yeah, he's, like that. He seems uh, relatively normal at the wall. And now all of a sudden he's the three-eyed raven. Creepy. Strange. Yeah. Yeah, weird. he was very, very distant. Uh, very cryptic in the stuff that he was saying. Uh, <laughs> the one thing he did say was uh, how nice Sansa looked on her wedding night when she married Ramsay. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right before she was brutalized. Of all the things he could have said, of all the information he could have revealed to her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the only interesting thing I, I, I got from that scene was the uh, that, that he needs to talk to John. So I'm wondering if he's going to be the one to tell John that he's uh, Stark Targaryen blood and not Ned Stark's bastard or how that's all going to go down. But Littlefinger knows that, though, right? I think so. Me and my wife have been talking about this, and we think he he knows 
I wonder what's going to happen, though. Like, how's Sansa going to take that? John's a Targaryen. Oh, wait a second. Maybe we're not. Allies. I. Well, no, I th- I actually think that they're going to end up getting married. John and Sansa. Ugh, that's weird. See, no. Why is it weird? That's weird. Why is it weird? They grew up as siblings. I know, but they're cousins. I th- I think they're going to no. need to do that to, to unify the North. Because I, if... I think the North is going to be split on no. on who they support, whether it's Sansa or John. No way. No way do they get married. I think it's going to be political. It's not going to be love. Well, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Could, I don't know. Could be. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, moving on to the Citadel. Uh, Sir Jorah is cured of grayscale. He uh, makes a funny line about how he just started to feel better and he thinks it might have to do with all the rest that he got and the climate. <laughs> uh, the Archmaster, however, sees through all of it. Uh, calls Sam into his office. Oh, there was a nice moment where uh, Sam and, and Jorah shake hands. Um, yeah, that was cool. It was a very cool, very cool moment. Jor- Jorah was the first, first person he's touched, you know. Since yeah, he yeah. Oh, absolutely. Inflicted. He's, he he was definitely choked up, and you know, obviously, he, he said he had written himself, written his life out of the picture, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, the Archmaster summons Sam to his uh, chamber later. You really think that Sam's going to get punished and expelled, um, but really the uh, the Archmaster is more impressed that Sam was able to to do that. Very few Maesters had done that in the past, so uh, he gets punished but not expelled from the from the Citadel. Uh, he has to copy old scrolls and old books that are starting to fall apart, which I think se- people seem to think he's going to find some information in there. Yeah, that's going to help him. What else, though? I mean, I don't know. That's why he's there. He's going to find some information that's going to help. Maybe his his purpose was just to cure Jorah and I don't think so. Something else. And then he's done. I don't know. I don't think that's all for Sam. That's just just becoming my worry with a lot of characters in this show. Well, I mean, there there definitely could be that. It's Game of Thrones. Like we are Mass Effect threeing it, Dan. (laughs) Well, we thought that, you know, when when you first started watching the show, you thought, oh, uh, you know, Ned's going to be a part of the show for years. Oh, Catelyn's going to be a part of the show for years. Rob is going to be a part of the show. You know, you think these characters are important to this to the ultimate storyline. And obviously they weren't. I mean, Ned died in the first season. So spoilers. <laughs> yes, spoilers, <laughs> I guess. Uh but yeah, I mean, like at this point, I feel like at least most of the characters will play some sort of important role in, I just, in, in I the events. I hope so. Uh, that's, and I that goes back to my with Littlefinger, here. too, is it's just going to his whole thing is just going to fizzle out. Yeah, and there hasn't so. been any meaningful culmination of of the masterful things he's been doing for the last six seasons. Yeah, the he'll just end up stabbed. Yeah. Something will, you know, yeah, somebody will just get mad at him or his plan will slip out and then somebody will just kill him. And then that'll be the end of Littlefinger, which I think is v- not rewarding at all. No, you're right. I, I mean, that that's the same thing I feel about uh, Theon. Like we went through all that stuff with Theon. Yeah. And to have him not have some sort of important role in the story would be would be disappointing. Yeah, um, I mean, but I'm, at... a, I'm a little more hopeful than you, Corey, I think. 
and part of what worries me is just how fast things are moving. Yeah. Um, well, I guess now would be a time to say this is my favorite episode of the season so far. Oh, yeah, me too. I loved okay. it. I thought there were a lot of really good scenes. I feel yep. like it slowed down a little bit, um, which I liked pretty quickly. Yeah, there was more like dialogue. Yes. You know, and you got to you got to see the characters for for why, you know, like Tyrion is a perfect example. He had right. no lines like the entire season other than a few here and there. And here he finally like is is talking again. It's great. Yeah. I'll let you finish the recap, though, before we go into too much okay. detail. OK, Um. Oh, I don't know. These are a little bit out of order, but um. yeah, back. I, I think this scene was inserted somewhere in here. Uh, but John and Tyrion have a conversation uh, like on the on the coast. Oh, Melisandre and Varys also have a conversation about her leaving and going to Volantis and how they're both supposed to die uh, in Westeros. Varys seems surprised by that. I don't know why that that something's got to come of that. Um, but John and Tyrion have a conversation. Uh, Tyrion's like, "Look, you know what you're asking is is somewhat unreasonable for for Daenerys to drop her conquest of the throne just to go help you when she doesn't know you. She doesn't necessarily believe in the White Walkers and the Night King and stuff. It's not not really a, a worthwhile thing to ask." He's like, if "There's something else I can do for you that you think I can actually do. Like, let me know." Um, so. He uh, talks to Daenerys about letting John mine the dragonglass from from Dragonstone. Um, he says, you know, you're not losing anything. You didn't know it was here. Doesn't cost you anything. You know, just let him have it. And uh, and then John and Daenerys have a personal conversation where, you know, uh, you start to I don't know about you, Corey, but I started to see the sparks a little bit. Oh yeah, like they're gonna be they're gonna be banging before too long. Yeah, are you kidding? Two hot bodies ready to go at it. Yeah, no, the 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 <laughs> chemistry was oozing off the screen. Yeah, I I thought me. Personally. I thought so too. That's that's what I picked up on. They're, they'll yeah. they'll be banging before too long. Uh, but yeah, it it was a it was a much more pleasant conversation between the two than when when they were uh, in the audience chamber, I guess. Um, and you know, Daenerys says, you know, she lets John take the take their dragon glass, which is nice. Um, moving on, Casterly Rock. So this is the first time we see the Rock on the show. Um, it's voiced over by Tyrion as he's talking about his plan of what the Unsullied are going to face when they get there. Um, it shows them relatively easily taking Casterly Rock because of the sewer systems that Tyrion had built and knew. Uh, they were able to sneak in and take the castle, but little, uh, not little finger. Uh, Grey Worm is surprised at how few Lannister forces there are and uh, asks one of the injured, wounded soldiers, uh, you know, where the Lannister soldiers are. And then he looks out and his fleet is being ta- taken apart by um, some of the Ironborn ships blown to smithereens. So their it's fleet's a trap. gone. It's a trap. Fleet's gone. Larder's empty. Uh, yep, no, no, no food or people really, other than a token little force of of archers and a few like you know guardsmen, I guess, uh, that were taken out. So there's nothing in Casterly Rock. No ships for the Unsullied to get home. They have to either stay there and hold out or travel across land to get back to Dragonstone or find ships on the other side of the continent to get to Dragonstone. Who knows what's going to happen to them? Uh, but the Lannister army had left Casterly Rock to go to Highgarden. Uh, Jamie Lannister and the Tarleys and Bronn um, siege and capture 
uh, High Garden. It's not shown on screen. There was some people who were upset about that, but apparently, uh, and they talked about it, the Tyrells were never much for fighting. Um, they were a powerful family, but it was, seemed mostly like they were wealthy from uh, farming and commerce and stuff and not necessarily from their armed forces. Uh, so it just shows Jamie walking up to, I don't know, I, like a room up, up in the top of High Garden where Elena Tyrell is sitting by herself. Um, they have, have a conversation about, you know, mostly Everything. Cersei. Yeah, a, a little bit of everything, but mostly Cersei. Uh, she tells Jamie that Cersei's a monster and yada, yada, yada. Good. It was a, another great scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, great, great uh, Queen of Thorns. But the, the kicker here is, uh, so they decided, or Jamie, I guess, decided he was just going to poison her. Uh, not painful poison. I guess she was just going to like fall asleep, I guess. So she drinks up the poison and uh, makes her confession. She tells her, tell Cersei it was me who killed Joffrey. Yeah. Then Jamie storms off, leaving yeah. her to die. Sick uh, amazing, burn. An amazing moment. Yeah, it was a very sick burn. Yep. That uh, was uh, one of the best scenes in the entire show, I think. Yeah, Good stuff. definitely. Top 10 for sure. Yeah. Uh, that scene was awesome. And, and that actress, whose name I don't know, Diana Rigg. She, Diana Rigg was awesome. Yep. Awesome. Um, it moved me and it was such like a dark scene. I've, I've never been moved by anything that like dark in my life. I don't know. It was, uh, it was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Corey, you had mentioned it either last week or the week before that you think there might be a mole in Daenerys service. Yes. Uh, I definitely am thinking that's the case after this week's episode, just because of how well they knew what Tyrion's Tyrion and Daenerys forces were going to do. Um, yeah. they plan perfectly for it. And, and I that, don't know if ultimately like they maybe got some information out of Tyreen and, and Alaria or, uh, but I, I think that there's definitely a mole. That's well, there has like. to be, I mean, these, these, these strategies and tactics are just too perfect. Um, yeah. you know, Jamie to withdraw the army, give up Casterly rock, empty the larder, and then swoop around and destroy all their ships. Like now the unsullied are trapped. The Dorn Dornish army is out of it. Yep. Um, I mean, what does Daenerys the, have left? The Tyrells the are out of it. The Dark Tyrells are now out of it. Um, something's going on for sure. And I was actually going to ask you this question, Dan, who's the Lannister strategist? Is it Jamie? I think maybe at first it was, I mean, it's Randall Tarly. Now he's the general of the, the oh, that's right. forces. So, I mean, he's they, they made a point of mentioning that he's the only one that defeated Robert Baratheon in battle during the during Robert's rebellion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's a fantastic general. Um, not surprising that he's able to do what do what he does with with the soldiers and stuff. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, who do uh, I have a couple theories on who the, the mole could be? What do you, what are your thoughts, Corey? I don't know. I mean, it could be Varys. I, I would put Varys out there. I would also put Tyrion out there. Tyrion is the most interesting one, I think. Yeah. That, that, that me, me, me and the wife always, like, talk about it frequently. Um, but, yeah, Tyrion, I think, would be the most interesting one. Uh, I mean, it's it's possible because he's he loves his family, you know. Him and Jaime uh, love each other. I know he doesn't care much for Cersei, but uh, I think if he had the opportunity to maybe get on her good side, he, he would. 
by doing it. And it might even be Tyrion and Varys in tandem that are yeah. the ones doing it, you know. Uh, but also Missandei was thrown out there. Oh, and, really? Yeah, the reason why I thought that uh, was because when Davos and, and Jon Snow land on Dragonstone, uh, Davos, you know, strikes up a conversation with with Masande. He's like, I can't place your accent. Where where are you from? Uh, you know, he he's a well-traveled person, obviously, uh, being a smuggler. And she's like, oh, I'm from the Isle of Noth. And he's like, oh, I, I hear it's beautiful there. You know, there's butterflies and palm trees. And she's just like, hmm. just kind of like walks away like, no, nothing. And I, I thought maybe that was because, you know, she is a slave and didn't really remember. But she mentions earlier in the series that she does remember home and being taken. So that's an interesting one, too, because now that she has that, that's Grey Worm's weakness. Yeah. You know, because the Unsullied aren't supposed to have relationships. And now that he has that relationship with her, um, discovering that she's been betraying them could be yeah. devastating to him and could ultimately lead to him doing something crazy in his death, which would be poetic ending that i would be looking for 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 these characters right i wonder too if maybe like she's kind of protecting gray worm you know obviously the unsullied were going to be put in in tough combat situations Mm -hmm. well this is the one combat situation that wasn't tough you know they took uh almost empty casterly rock you know i wonder if that was by design i know Tyrion came up with the battle plan but maybe she's like hey you know the, the the unsullied are gonna be striking here if you pull your forces out and move them to, you know, she might've been in on that process. I don't know. I don't know right. the extent of it, but that's interesting. De- definitely an interesting thought to play with. Tyrion's an interest. Uh, I think would be the most kind of tragic and interesting uh, if he was the, the betrayer. Yeah. I, yeah. And uh, even if he's doing it by proxy, like maybe he's not delivering the information directly to Jamie or Cersei. And I don't think he is only because they hate him. Like they think, well, until now, they think he killed Joffrey, you know, so. Yeah. And uh, especially because Jamie knows that Tyrion killed Tywin. Yeah. he. Yeah. You they know? know that for a fact. Like, I think there's no chance of redemption for, for Tyrion in their eyes. Yeah. Um. So maybe if he is, maybe he's doing it through somebody else. I don't know who that would be, but I don't know. It's an interesting thought. It is interesting to think about. I can't wait to find out what's going on. Hopefully it's not nothing. Hopefully there's a little something going on behind the scenes that we're not seeing. There has to be, right? Not just just happenstance that they were able to predict exactly what Tyrion's battle plans were. And that's that's why I think there has to be, because it hasn't been established that there's some brilliant. I mean, you did mention the part about Randall Tarley yeah. uh, defeating the Baratheon army. But that portion of like grand strategy hasn't really been addressed to the point yeah. where it would be rewarding. You know, yeah. One another thing I thought of, too, was Tyrion is essentially the one who came up with the battle plan. And, you know, Daenerys has this huge army what's the best way to defeat this huge army is by splitting it up, you know? So he split up some, some to go down to Dorne to get their army, some to go back to Highgarden and have them there, have the Unsullied mm-hmm. go to Casterly Rock. Only the Dothraki are, are, you know, still around Dragonstone. Like if, if that's his plan is to slowly dismantle them from the inside, that's what happened. You know, yeah. that's another reason why I thought I meant to mention that earlier, but that's another reason why I thought Tyrion could be the one. It's a, the old divide and conquer, you know, <clears throat> hmm. interesting thought. 
That is an interesting thought. Are people talking about that? Is that like a common? Theory? There's a little bit of that. Yeah, a little bit of oh, okay. that. I, I've like you. I've tried not to read too many theories, but yeah. uh, you know that that's not really like a long term theory. It's it's just you know stuff that's happening now, mm-hmm. not looking too far into the future. So, hmm. yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. It was it was it was definitely uh, more Game of Thronesy episode. Yeah than than the other two this season yeah so, it was i was way on board the, the last one especially i mean i wasn't too hard on it when we were recording this but i really could almost say i didn't didn't like it yeah the, the second episode yeah yeah so uh got a few more days till episode four then the season will be more than halfway over which is unfortunate it is unfortunate Hopefully we see uh I want to see some more uh more of the hound this episode. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. More hound, more Arya. I want to see what Arya's up to. Yep. Still not sure if she ended up going north or if she ended up heading back still going to King's Landing. Well, she's going to show up somewhere, right? Yeah, yep. So, all right, anything else? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll uh, cover next week's episode of Game of Thrones after the outro, as usual.